Good morning. My name is Bob Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here at Stony Brook United Methodist Church. On behalf of our associate pastor, Reverend Jennifer Casey, who is on vacation, and our senior pastor and preacher for the day, the Reverend David Hoffman, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The beginning of our announcements gives me great joy to introduce to you our new director of student ministries, Jason Sheldon. Jason's right down front. Will you help me welcome Jason? I don't need to introduce him because he's one of ours. He's been a part of our church for a long time, uh, been a part of our youth uh, staff for many years, uh, part of our leadership board. So, Jason, we're pleased to welcome you on staff and look forward to your ministry with our young people together. The Lord bless you. I think there's a nice picture of their family there on the screen. Next Sunday, um, you can uh, bring anybody that has a part of school, if you're a a student or a teacher or part of the administration, if you'll bring your backpack, there'll be a blessing of backpacks next week. If you'd like to know a little bit more about that, you can use your bulletin that you have with you this morning that has all these announcements. I'm just going to highlight a few. If you're watching with us uh, online, if you'll go to our website, the worship button, and there is an electronic bulletin there that has these announcements for you as well. And next Sunday also our kids and our youth will then also be promoted to the next grade. If you would be interested in helping being an online host, we have some openings. There's more information in the bulletin about what that means. You can actually do it here. You can do it from wherever you are, and we're looking for some additional online hosts uh, to help us with that. Uh, the, um, this past week on Wednesday, uh, Stony Brook Kids hosted their third in a series of special events throughout the summer, really geared for our Bible school kids who were with us earlier in the summer. And this last week, 108 kids and their parents were in the Cook Chapel on Wednesday evening. They had a, a hot dog feast. And then they learned about some of God's most interesting creatures, snakes and turtles and lizards and pythons. And uh, we we were glad that they were able to be together. Uh, If you get a chance to say hi to Kristen and thank her for the creative and special work that she does to help our kids stay connected, we appreciate your doing that. If you look in your bulletin for the uh, special announcement sheet, as Tom Hoffman is coming, he has our finance chairperson has a special word of information about the finance sheet in your bulletin today. Thank you, Bob. It's probably the first time a finance report has followed reptiles. For, and also, I want to share with you, I'm the 1F and 2N Hoffman. He's the 2F and 1N Hoffman. We're not related. Great guys, but we're not related. I've had the privilege of chairing the finance committee the past four years here at Stony Brook. And I've come this morning to update you on our reporting process, which you're going to see up on the screen. It's also in your bulletin. This is the version you'll see uh, on the electronic uh, message uh, you get each week, the, the color version. The past several years have been very good here at Stony Brook, thanks to your faithful giving. We've been able to set aside funds for special projects and emergency needs. As an example, the past two years, we were able to put a new roof on the entire building, purchase our new live streaming equipment, build a new shelter house thanks to donations uh, from several members, 
and invest almost $50,000 in upgrading the parsonage. All this was done with no borrowing. We've also seen the establishment of an endowment program that will benefit the church for years to come. We have really been blessed. What has changed is that this year we have seen our giving drop about 10%. There are most likely various reasons for this. The staff and leadership have been able to limit expenses so that we are breaking, breaking even operationally, and I'll show you on the screen there in a minute where that shows. But it doesn't show you the whole picture, and we feel that's important. It doesn't show you what the original budget was for gifts and expenses. And so when you look up at the, at the chart, you can see that the budget, for example, for income was $604,000. We've actually received $561,000. So we've actually received almost $43,000 less than we budgeted for the year based on our histories in the past. Expenses, you can see the staff and the committees have cut $61,000. So what you were seeing before in the weekly report was that middle column. And people would say, well, heck, we're 4,000 ahead. There must not be a problem. And it's not so much a problem. It just didn't give you the whole picture. So this is the report that you will see starting next week, uh, both electronically and in the, in the, in the bulletin uh, each week. We feel our new presentation format gives you the full picture. Um, we're now moving forward to finish out the year strong. We'll start our budgeting process here in a, in a couple months. We're also gonna bring back the quarterly report that you've seen before. We didn't do one this last quarter, but we're gonna bring that back. It shows the overall giving. This is operational giving. It shows you all the giving, missions, all the different projects that are going on. We feel it's important to know that, so look for that soon. And we also wanna give a special thanks today to Barry Goodwin, who's our treasurer. Barry does a fantastic job of managing our funds and, and our reporting, so Barry, thank you. Thank you for your ongoing support or none of this would happen. At the end of this service, I'll be back at one of the tables. If you have any kind of questions for me about our finances, please stop by. Thanks. Thank you so much for Hard work. Uh, actually, let's, I just want to introduce you someone. Arizona is on the camera this morning. I want to just turn around and wave at Arizona. He's back here on our camera here. We're glad that he's with us. Uh, look how, and it's really easy. If you'd like to be a part of our camera crew, uh, Josh is looking for some other folks that can help us with that as well. Our bell ensemble rings for us now. Be my vision.
please stand as you are able call to worship. This place for us is holy ground. And repeat the stories of faith that inspire us to respond to Christ's love. In whispering winds and in burning flames. Instead, God meets us in our vulnerability, our humanity. Let us worship the Lord. O Master, let me walk with thee. Let us sing together. O God of mercy, with our foreparent Moses, we too have beheld bushes burning yet not consumed. And we are interested and turn aside to see the great sights. Because we're curious, cautious, and a bit anxious. We're still trying to remember that you convert the ordinary into the extraordinary while allowing us to approach well aware that we often reduce the extraordinary to the ordinary so we can understand and control. O oh God of grace, while we study the unconsumed burning bush, you speak and your voice is so reassuring, we do not run away but respond with a bold, here we are. But what you say in response is at once terrible and wonderful. You reveal yourself to be the God of Abraham and Sarah, of Isaac and Rebekah, of Jacob and Rachel and Leah, the God of Moses and Miriam, of Mary and Joseph, and of Jesus the Christ. 
You are the great I am, the eternal beginning and the endless end, the infinite sky and the bottomless sea, whose life depends on no one, but whose love gives life to everyone. O God of patience, we see this burning bush and, and hear your holy voice. We believe you are in our midst, but we are not relieved. Your presence is demanding. Who you are passes judgment on who we are. Your glory shows how far we, creatures made in your image, have fallen short. Who you are declares that we cannot remain who we are. It demands that we become something more. Who you are asserts that the world cannot remain what it is. It announces that it must become something more. But change does not come as easily as, as words of protest roll from our lips. Free my people, you shout, and we object. Slavery has its burdens, but the weight of freedom would be too great. Go save my people from their suffering, you cry, and we complain, oh, who are we that we should go? Why should the risk be ours? Another time, Lord, another place, Another way, Lord, another face. O God of love, we see and hear and protest, but your purpose will not be thwarted. Master, we want to walk with you, but our eyes are closed and our ears are stopped. Help us to see what you see, the affliction of the world's peoples. Unstop our ears with a raging fire. Make us hear what you hear, the cry of the oppressed. Let the bush burn and not be consumed. Let your flames rage and not be smothered. Convert an ordinary bush into an extraordinary blaze that common people like us might become uncommon disciples carrying the spirit fire everywhere we go as lights of the world, lights for the world leaning into the future that you invite us to create with you and for you and because of you for the good of the world. O God of the future, we've been in the wilderness a long time, and now we have stumbled onto holy ground. Speak again. Give us the temperament to listen and the courage to respond. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lori Adler comes now to sing for us, Trust and Obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, 
but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows, are for them who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Thank you, Lori. What an appropriate uh, piece of music for uh, today's scripture lesson. Today's scripture lesson comes to us from the third chapter of Exodus, verses 1 through 15. I invite us to hear these words. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Orb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses! Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard the, their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezrites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. 
The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I've also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. The word of God for all of God's children. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, Thou who art one of us, Thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see Thee, a humble heart that we may hear Thee, a heart of love that we may serve Thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this morning. Amen. During the month of August, we'll be working our way through the sermon series, Leaning into the Future. And the series is based on the book, Let Go, Leaning into the Future Without Fear by Matt Miofsky. And I had the pleasure of meeting Matt at a conference several years ago. The book examines the changes and the transitions that each of us experience in life through the lens of Moses. It's it's a great book. I would suggest anyone to read it. But by examining the life of Moses, we too are able to gain insight as to how God speaks to us in the midst of our lives both as individuals and as a congregation. The story of Moses has so much to teach us, and it is essential that we know all of the stories of our faith. Now granted, with this morning's text, we are entering into the, in the middle of the Moses story. It's like walking into the family room when, when the movie is halfway over and trying to catch up. So much has come before, And so much will come after. And to sum up Moses' story in a few sentences is is very tough. But fast forwarding through what has come before, one commentator says, says this about Moses. 
He was raised by his Hebrew mother, was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and given an Egyptian name. Although he tries to intervene to help his kinfolk, the Hebrews, he ends up murdering an Egyptian and being rejected by his own. He flees Egypt from, from, and the mess that he has created there only to be identified as an Egyptian by the woman he meets at the well at Midian. From an adopted son of royalty, Moses is now shepherding flocks, a less than prestigious job, and working for his father-in-law. No offense. <laughs> But I'm sure that this is not what he had in mind for his life, nor anyone around him had expected. And needless to say, at this point in his life, Moses had experienced so much. And yet Moses had still carried a heavy heart for his people back in Egypt. And despite what he had experienced, Moses remained faithful in his quest for God. We are told in today's text that he went to great lengths and even went beyond the wilderness in his pursuit of God. Moses had an inquisitive spirit and was full of curiosity. And then something mysterious happens, almost indescribable, happens as Moses encounters God's presence at Mount Oreb. There an angel of the Lord appeared in a flame of fire out of a bush. And he looked, and the, and the bush was blazing, and yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. You see, God's mystery is hard to unsee. Moses followed his, his instincts, and, and it allowed him to be open to possibilities beyond what he could understand. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. God then explains to Moses that I have observed the mystery, misery of my people back in Egypt. I have heard their cry. I, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians. Now God's, God's words at first must have sounded so great to Moses. Finally, after all of this time, God was going to deliver God's people. Moses was going to see it. It was going to happen in his lifetime. Finally, God was going to intervene on behalf of God's enslaved people. At last, their years of prayers and pleading are finally going to be answered. That all sounds great. You can almost hear Moses turning it over and over in his mind. Just as long as I can get involved <laughs> at a distance. <laughs> And then the background music shifts as God reveals God's plan to use Moses. To use Moses as the one that will deliver God's people. Moses was included in bringing about God's preferred future. And I think that this came as a total surprise to Moses. Moses. 
And then we quickly discover that Moses' response to God is much like our own response when, when God wants to use us. Instead of focusing on the many ways in which Moses' life and, and his, his faith experiences have prepared him for such a time as this, he focuses upon the reasons why he, why he shouldn't be God's choice. Again, they are not unlike words that we have heard coming from our own lips. The text this morning and, and those following tells us Tell us that Moses responds to God with, with five questions or arguments as to why God has made a mistake. <laughs> Who am I to lead my people? Another question, what will others think or say about my leadership and me as a person? We know others will definitely doubt and, and question. And given Moses' background, can we, can we blame them? And we can't ignore the fact that questions were swirling around about his ethnic identity and his previous behavior. Is he Egyptian or is he Hebrew? To which group does he belong? And Moses is also among the most wanted for killing an Egyptian. Another argument, they, they won't believe me, or other arguments, I can't speak, send someone else. Surely there must be others more qualified, Moses' inner voice keeps telling him. But aren't we guilty of the, of the same thing for which we criticize and judge Moses when, when faced with life's transitions and challenges? Don't we do the same thing sometimes when, when God invites us to do something that seems impossible? Those times when God wants to move us from A to B. Times when God wants us to take that next faithful step. Times when God wants to use a situation or a circumstance to transform our lives. Instances where when a need presents itself right in front of us and God has gifted us with the resources to make it happen. And then in response, we focus upon how now is not the right time or how we aren't adequately prepared or equipped or in our minds we assume that God must be speaking to someone else. We miss so many opportunities to assist in bringing God's kingdom here on earth. And the, the reasons that we have to overcome will be different for each one of us. And I must admit that some of those reasons have validity. That's why discernment and accountability are so necessary for our lives and our decision making. We need others to help guide us and point us in the right direction. We need others to encourage us and support us in our efforts. We forget that God... And those around us often see a different reality than we see in ourselves. Hopefully a more grace-filled reality. But friends, there's so much that this text can teach us. Probably one of the gifts that this text brings to us this morning is the awareness that, that Moses' reasons and questions didn't threaten God. 
the text demonstrates to us that God allowed Moses to exhaust all of his concerns. One commentator points out that that often the prevailing tendency in the church is to understand faith as the acceptance of of a set of theological propositions, and deviating from these propositions or questioning them is understood as an attack on our faith. This was not the case with Moses' interactions with God. I think their dialogue provided an opportunity for greater trust. It gave Moses the reassurance that he needed. And we would do well to adopt this image of God. This image of God where God invites and even encourages our questions and our concerns. We should always ask questions as we seek to know and understand God and God's kingdom. And then, and then we find God responding to all of Moses' reasons and questions with a promise. With the promise and the answer that God will be with Moses. We find God responding to all of of Moses' questions and concerns with a promise and the answer that God will be with Moses. Moses is not on this journey or leaning into the future all alone. God will be with Moses and God will be with us. Now we can't ignore the fact that Moses still must have been overwhelmed. I can't even imagine the pressure under which he must have been. But remember, God doesn't call us to do things that we can accomplish on our own. We can't forget that. In the words of St. Francis of Assisi, we are not called to be our instruments in this world, but God's instruments. Instruments of peace and love, pardon, faith, hope light, and joy. Now the text reminds each of us what it's like to wrestle with God's call. And at times I I confess that it's easier just to bury our heads in the sand. Here's one example, and and I apologize in advance. (laughs) A mother wakes up her son one morning and says, Honey, It's time to get ready for church. The son replies, but mom, I don't want to go to church today. I'm sure that we've all been there, right? The mother persists, but you have to go to church. The son again responds, I don't want to go to church, mom. The mother says, you need to get up. The son says, why? The mother says, I'll give you three good reasons. (laughs) Number one, you're always glad you've gone once you get there. Two, you always enjoy the music at church, and today will be no exception. And three, you're the pastor. I guess even our parents can play influential roles in helping us to listen and discern God's call upon our lives. 
And we can also fill that essential role for others. But seriously, let me, let me share with you one influential example of how that I realized I was on the right path in pursuing God's call for my life. This is not my entire call story. Nonetheless, it's a pivotal experience. And this moment happened while I was serving uh, with a mission team in Homestead, Florida in the early 90s after the devastating effects of Hurricane Andrew. I was serving with a high school group from our church um, at the time with UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief. And we'd been tasked with re-roofing a parsonage of a Haitian United Methodist congregation. And the parsonage was being converted into an outreach and resource center for the neighborhood. And on one hot afternoon, <laughs> I found myself up on a roof installing sheathing with a high school student. And from our vantage point on top of that roof, you could see nothing but complete destruction for miles. And the youth was visibly upset, and I asked him what was wrong. He told me that he was frustrated. That he was frustrated that the church wasn't doing anything to help those recovering from the disaster. I was struck dumbfounded. It, it took me a minute to register his observation. How could he not understand? The youth hadn't connected the dots, or maybe we hadn't helped the youth connect the dots. You are the church. I told the youth, you are the church. We are the church. I was able to help him see himself as, as part of the church. The hands and feet of Christ that are to be made visible in this world. It was a moment that I will never, ever forget. I thank God for the privilege of helping the youth to see himself as, as a part of something bigger than he could have ever imagined. As a young adult, at that time God had been working on me for a long time, and I didn't have the capacity at that time to connect the dots either. <laughs> but 25 years later, serving as an ordained minister, I am still amazed that God continues to mold and shape and clarify my calling in ministry. And though questions and, and, and debate, discussion and dialogue figure prominently in, in Moses' interaction with God, the text ends not with a question, but with instruction. God tells Moses to tell the people that God, the God who has been with them, the God that has been with them in the past, is sending Moses as a sign that the same God will be with them in the days to come. Friends, Moses' example can give us one model of what it can be like to lean into the future. God was calling him to something that seemed impossible. Moses worked through his excuses, finding that God met him at each point with a promise 
to be with him. Moses' excuses were real and within reason. We all struggle to make sense of our gifts and our abilities and our, our potential. And yet, God calls us, each one of us, to do some pretty heavy things in this world. And as we lean into the future, as we make sense of the transitions that have been placed in our lives, as we make sense of the many ways that God calls us to be and become God's people, as we work through our real life circumstances, as we name the reasons why God should choose or should have chosen someone else, know that God, God has not given up on us. God expects our questions, our concerns, and even our excuses. And God answers all of them by reassuring us of God's presence. May it be so. We want to continue to thank you for your generosity, as Tom mentioned. Thank you for the ways that you have give, given to the church so that we can truly uh, participate in the ongoing life and ministries here. Reminder, you can give online, you can send your offering to the church, or you can simply place it in the baskets uh, here as you leave. This is the first Sunday of the month, and as is our custom, we'll be serving communion. And today, you'll be coming forward for communion. There are baskets across the front for the benevolent offering. We always receive the benevolence offering. It's a way that we can help individuals in the community uh, with rent assistance, with utility assistance, and ways to help them uh, when they're having a difficult time. Just a word about communion today. You'll be directed to come down the center aisle. You'll receive the elements. There will be hand sanitizer available. Person will give you a piece of bread, and then you'll be served a small cup of juice in their baskets to receive those uh, cups as you go back to your seats. If you'd like to receive the prepackaged uh, elements, if you'll simply let the ushers know. And if you need a gluten-free option, again, the servers will have those for you. Will you stand now as we offer our praise to God for the gifts that he has given to us? steadfast love and mercy you have we have heard your challenge to us and with these resources we would minister to people who suffer in cruel surroundings and with our personal efforts we would make way for your glorious reign among us as we lean into the future to which you call us to the glory of your holy name amen
You may be seated. Christ our Lord invites to this table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. As United Methodists, we celebrate an open table, meaning you're invited to share in this holy sacrament, whether or not you're a member of this or of any congregation. Therefore, now I invite us to confess our sin before God and before one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory, Glory to, to God. God. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit appointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your holy church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit at the right hand at your right hand. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. 
gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. And so now in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we now proclaim the mystery of our faith together. Christ, Christ has, has died, died. Christ, Christ is, is risen, risen. Christ, Christ will come again. again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now with the confidence of your children, we are bold to join our hearts and voices together praying. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread in which we break and share is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks and share is a sharing in the blood of Christ. Friends, these are God's gifts for us, God's people. I invite the ushers and the servers to wait upon us.
Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you've given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the living of our days in the strength of your spirit, knowing that you go with us. Amen. I invite you, if you are able, to stand and sing together our closing hymn. Now may the love and grace of God, which surpasses our understanding, which goes beyond our imagination, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ. May the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be among us this day and remain with us forever. Amen.